Welcome to Insurance Tomorrow, the podcast that looks at emerging trends and technology to assess the impact they might have on businesses and the insurance industry. Do keep listening to the end when we'll be talking about the impact of this on brokers specifically. Anytime we get involved in in new processes, new developments, new technologies, it's important that there's early engagement. You know, we kind of like to look at a tripartite relationship between the customer, contractor, broker and ourselves as underwriters. The more comprehensive the information is, the better. This podcast is brought to you by Allianz Insurance and I'm your host, Steph McGovern. Now, today we're going to be talking about modern methods of construction, also known as modern methods. The way our buildings are constructed has come a long way in recent years and is still changing and improving. New methods significantly reduce the impact of construction on the environment and also cost less. But being so new, how do they compare with the methods that have been around for hundreds of years? Well, to discuss this, I'm joined by an expert panel. Steve Kelly, who's Head of Insurance, Engineering, Construction and Power at Allianz UK. Jonathan Purvis, who's Policy Advisor, the General Insurance Team at the ABI. And Trudy Sully, Impact Director at the Construction Innovation Hub. Welcome to all of you. So, Trudy, let me start with you. Can you kick things off for us then and just explain what we mean by modern methods of construction? Actually, I'm going to be slightly controversial and challenge the modernness of modern methods of construction because the term has actually been in use for over 100 years now. So that already gives us a bit of a challenge about how we define what is modern in terms of what's happening now in the industry. Modern Methods of Construction, or MMC, because everybody loves a three-letter acronym, is also used quite interchangeably with terms like off-site construction, DFMA, which is designed for manufacturing assembly, and dare I say it, almost the dirty word of modern construction approaches is prefabrication or prefabs. So there's a lot of connotations around some of the terminology, and sometimes that gets confusing and there's misuse of terms. The positive side of it, though, is that there is so much activity that is starting to happen about modernising the way we deliver our buildings and falling under those terms. The, the problem we have is making sure that it's used appropriately. Yeah. So, Steve, can you give us some examples then of the different types of things we're talking about here? Yeah, certainly. I, I probably agree with Trudy to a certain extent in terms of the phrase modern methods. I think when we look traditionally at timber frame construction, then that has been around for a long period of time and is probably the most popular construction that we're seeing at this moment in time. I think when we move into the modern side of things, it is probably in the modular and prefabricated um, piece where we're talking about designs now that are, are more technical and more ornate. We've got greater accuracy in them and we've got more efficiency and quicker construction of them. So I think that's one area where it's become more modern. And I think you've also got the development of cross-laminate timber um, technology, which is essentially going to give buildings made from wood the same load-bearing qualities of concrete and steel, which could see modern methods move into more 
larger buildings, multiple stories than we've seen in the past. So what would you say then are the benefits of using these construction methods, Trudy? There's a really significant range of benefits that we are actually already seeing in some projects and that have been proven in other industries that have gone through similar transformations. And a lot of those revolve around things like the performance increases, the increase in productivity, which is essential to construction because they are lagging behind a lot of other industries. But there's also about that quality. So better quality buildings, which make them more efficient in use. The end user can really benefit from this approach. And currently on the sustainability side, if you think about it, construction is a significant contributor to our CO2 emissions and also has an incredibly high volume of waste. So an average of seven tonnes of waste goes to landfill for every house built. Opportunity through production approaches and manufacturing tools and digitalization means that we can be much more efficient in how we deliver our buildings and significantly reduce that waste and therefore have a significant impact on the climate. You've got the potential that work can be done simultaneously on-site and off-site, so that can lead to quicker completion. There's the potential for reduced pollution and disruption on site because you've got less deliveries going to and from the site. So that can improve the position there. There can be a reduction in the impact of weather. You know, we're all seeing more and more extreme weather conditions at this moment in time. The fact that work is being t- is taking place off-site more can see that impact reduced. The shortage of skilled labour, again, is an issue in the UK, which could also be reduced given the prefabrication nature of these types of risks. And there's potential for greater quality control. The work's being done in factories, it's being managed on a production line, which could see a, a greater quality output. Yeah, I suppose from an insurance perspective, one of the, the, the main ones, I suppose, would be better health and safety conditions. And as most of the construction is taking place off-site in a controlled factory environment, there's less risk of accidents, less risk of suppose, disruption, as Steve said, by the weather, which you know ultimately would be less accidents, mean less you know, liability claims, which is good for everyone. There's also the, you know, as my fellow panellists have said, the increased speed of production uh, is a key benefit. I believe uh, the government uh, white paper from a few years ago, they said that MMC could increase construction by up to 30%. And there's also you know, better quality control as it's all done in a factory. They can offer higher levels of precision, consistency and quality. And MC can also you know, drive to help drive down costs and mean the whole project comes at a lesser total cost, as well as reducing the impact on local residents as there's fewer workers on site for shorter time periods, as less noise pollution. So yeah, there's a real, real range of, of benefits. And, and Jonathan... This is an area growing in popularity, isn't it? Yeah, I think especially in recent years, it's kind of got even bigger growth in popularity. I suppose there's a, a few reasons for that. There's, there's the increased demand for houses. So MC presents an opportunity to, I suppose, build more homes. And then government's played a, a key role in that as well with their uh, quite ambitious targets of 300,000 homes uh, each year by the, the mid-2020s. And there's also the suppose, growing impact of climate change. Um, a lot of these Modern methods have, you know, quite good sustainable green benefits. So there's a lot of push towards making buildings more energy efficient, more sustainable, and MMC can can really meet that demand. Yeah, Trudy, what are your thoughts on, on the growth in popularity? We're on a real sort of roller coaster ride with that at the moment, but we do have significant government backing, which is a fantastic situation in this current climate. Jonathan reflected on some of those demand-driven aspects, which are all very viable and absolutely spot on. But there's actually 
some real market drivers too in terms of the industry needing to be able to meet the demand for the infrastructure that we need to deliver over the coming decade. And can I just pick up on that point then about sustainability? So, Steve, can you just tell us a bit about how this type of construction might benefit the environment there and be more sustainable? I think from a construction's perspective, the speed of erection will be improved. So that will reduce the carbon footprint. The amount of transportation to sites has potentially be reduced. But I think there's also a converse to that is going to be the supply of materials. So materials coming from overseas could have an impact on the carbon footprint. And it's not only the construction sector that has been looking to wood supply to improve the green credentials. This has also happened in the power generation sector as well. So there are are potential competing industry sectors for the same supply of material that is potentially going to become scarce. The sustainability driver is at the heart of everything at the moment, and it's very high profile across the whole industry, across all industries, which is fantastic news. And yes, we do have challenges in terms of materials, but on the plus side, what modern methods of construction really does have at the heart of it is adoption of manufacturing processes which drive greater efficiencies and greater performance. And because design is really fundamental to getting this right, this opportunity to rationalise the materials that we use, make sure that the quality of the products is increased. And also we can use homegrown is a big target area at the moment as well. So hopefully the opportunity to reduce some of the dependence on imported materials as well. Can I ask then, Jonathan, I'll direct this one to you, just a bit about the potential risks then there might be from using modern methods of construction. I suppose with any new development or new technology, there are some risks. And particularly from an insurance perspective, the main risks or concerns with MMC fall into two uh, broad categories. So the first is how resilient are MMC buildings? So it's important for insurers to understand how an MMC building reacts to different insured perils, so how it reacts to a flood, fire. This is key to estimating you know, potential claims, potential losses. So there's currently you know, a slight lack of evidence or, or data related to the kind of claims costs of MMC buildings compared to more traditional methods of construction, like bricks and mortar, where insurers have um, you know, hundreds of years of data on how these react to you know, flood or fire. And because these are quite emerging and new technologies and materials, they're still to some extent untested, which means insurers can only really tend to predict how they react in a real world scenario. And the kind of the other key concern, I suppose, is how easy and cost effective is repairing an MMC building. So again, there's a bit of lack of evidence or information on practicalities and costs of repairing, maintaining and modifying uh, buildings that include uh, modern methods. So I suppose due to the nature of it, a kind of a volumetric building, minor damage to one component could uh, you know, cause a disproportionate claims cost. So one pod or volume might be damaged. And that might mean the whole the whole kind of bod and has to be removed from that building, you know, sent back to the factory repaired and then replaced, um, which can cause quite significant disruption to the people using that building, as well as the increased cost to the insurer. So I suppose they're really the, the two main strands or concerns that insurers have. More and more of these buildings are built and used and insurers I suppose, have more experience with these buildings. That data set and that information will keep on building up and they'll be able to, you know, more accurately underwrite or price different buildings which will help you you know keep insurance costs down and 
create a, a good uh, sort of competitive insurance market. There's a significant amount of work undergoing at the moment in looking at required testing needed for any new components or approaches that are being brought into the market. That is actually being funded by the government through the Transforming Construction Challenge. And that's in recognition of exactly what we've just covered about the the concerns and the risks, because we recognise that for modern methods to be adopted and really show the benefits that um, that we believe they can, the whole market has to come along on this journey. So the, the testing and viability is completely legitimate. The other aspect I'll just respond to is in relation to any risks around the components or the materials. And actually that can be reduced through some of the approaches that are being developed, such as platform construction, where parts should be interoperable and easily swapped in and out. So that comes back to what I mentioned about the importance of design and actually building in considerations for this and testing out any potential challenges at the design stage so those risks can be mitigated. And Steve, let me bring you in on this then in terms of what you think in regards to the impact these new construction methods are going to have on the insurance industry? Yeah, I think Jonathan's picked up a number of the key topics. I mean, obviously, with wood construction, there's a potential for higher fire load. But we've also spoken about the fact that there's going to be uh, impact on contract values. So those could be diminishing in terms of value. Quicker contract periods is a help. Um, But some of the benefits, I think, from modern methods of construction would be that the quicker construction means the quicker they are secure, the quicker they are watertight, the quicker they are weathertight, which is good. I think also the fact that prefabrication means there's potentially going to be less work at height, which is good for the people on the contract site. I think one of the major concerns that I've got as regards this is the shifting profile of claims on construction from frequency to severity. I think there's the potential that the frequency will be reduced with modern methods of construction. Um, But should an event occur, it may be more difficult to replace or reconstitute a project which could drive up severity. And that's something we need to consider as we go forward. Given where we started uh, this conversation, and, and Trudy, you very eloquently talked about how this idea of modern methods of construction actually is you know, there's a question over the term modern. I want to just ask you about where you think it's heading next, because it sounds like from what you're all saying, it is something that's ever changing. So where are we heading in the future with this, do you think? So it's a very exciting time for the industry in moving forward. There's a great deal of work happening now and projects are starting to be delivered using the latest approaches, such as platform approaches for construction. And from this, we'll learn from them and the feedback loop will help us to improve. What we need is more projects being delivered, more data gathered so that we can reach those critical tipping points for this to become much more viable to deliver against a much larger pipeline. And what's really important is the data gathering. But we have the momentum, we have the backing, we have industry working collaboratively, and we have government backing for it. So there is a long trajectory here. And what we expect to see and what is actually being expected through policy that government has released through these reports is the government procurement department's to actually be looking for modern methods to be used by default as we go forward with mandates becoming likely over the coming years as the benefits are proven. So, Steve, what are the key things then you think that people need to be looking out for and and trying to keep up to date with? 
with what's happening in the industry? There's a mix of development at this moment in time. So we're seeing a mixture of conventional construction methods with uh, modern methods. So you may see some larger installations being built with the first floor or the first and second floors of concrete and steel and brick as they would have been an additional floors being made out of wood and timber frame. So that's one thing to bear in mind, particularly as they become occupied. I think it's keeping up with some of the new technologies I mentioned at the outset. Cross-laminate timber is potentially a game changer in this area with the load-bearing qualities of it. And we could see some significant structures being built that way. So Jonathan, then bringing this back to brokers, do you think brokers need to keep up to date with all of this? In all of the developments, yes, I do. Because as it's, it's a very fast-moving area, there's so there's new types of MMT um, emerging you know, on a regular basis, and as brokers will be the one, I suppose, the conduit between the client, um, the building developer, or the building owner, the insurer. Um, as it's really important that they they understand, you know, what the risks are associated with the building, details and materials used, you know, what fire safety potentials does the building have, um, so they can accurately relay that back to the insurer. Will then you know assess the risk. Yeah. So when it comes to brokers advising clients on this, then what would your top tips be? Well, I'd say they um, sort need to engage with the those who are involved in the construction of the building to understand you know the materials used, you know resilient or resistant is it to the various perils, how easy is it to modify the repair process, that kind of thing. So they can get a full understanding of the risk themselves, and then they can accurately relay that back to the to the insurer. Yeah, I agree with Jonathan. I think any time we get involved in in new processes, new developments, new technologies, it's important that there's early engagement. You know, we kind of like to look at a tripartite relationship between the customer, contractor, broker and ourselves as underwriters. The more comprehensive the information is, the better. As underwriters, sometimes we can be a little pessimistic and take a, a dim view where information is missing. So if we can fill those gaps, we're probably likely to come out with a, a better outcome. And I think that's that's key to this technology as we go forward. So I guess in conclusion then uh, to all of this, what do you want the people listening to this to take away? Um, Trudy, do you want to start us off? We have a very significant demand for social infrastructure in this country. The the pipeline at the moment across public and private sector delivered infrastructure is £650 billion worth of projects in the next 10 years. We can deliver that much more effectively, much more efficiently, better whole life value of those buildings. And very simply put, If we do this right, we'll have better buildings, which marries up with better lives for everyone. Mine would be open collaboration across interested parties, as I mentioned, contractors, brokers, insurers, um, some of the industry bodies that are involved as well. So the likes of the Structural Timber Association and the research that they're doing, Build UK and the members that are getting involved there. There's numerous parties that are currently looking at this sector and coming up with views. I think we need a lot far more collaboration across the UK to understand each other's point of view and come up with a, a way forward that benefits all. My final thoughts would be that the insurance industry is really supportive of these firms. There's many benefits that we've discussed today, including the environmental speed of construction, can really go some way to helping solve the housing crisis and you know the fight against climate change. But I think to fully realise these benefits, there is still quite a bit of bit of work to do. So I'd echo what Steve and Trudy said about points of collaboration between property developers, construction industry, insurance industry and government to try and really solve the kind of barriers or hurdles that are currently out there. 
Oh, a fascinating chat. Well, thank you so much uh, for your time. Thanks very much to Steve Kelly from Alliance UK, Jonathan Purvis from the ABI, and Trudy Sully from the Construction Innovation Hub. Now, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on your usual provider so you don't miss any of the episodes. Plus, a review would be lovely too, as this makes it easier for others to find the podcast as well. I'm Steph McGovern. Thanks for listening.